you discover you have a passion for something and you want to express it in the form of a business, how do you decide what direction to take that passion in? Desiree Seitzer is going to share how she decided to found Global Teas out of Napa. She'll also talk to us about how she built her company as a socially responsible business, giving back a dollar from every product purchase. Use the hashtag YFE chat and make sure that you check in on Twitter. Welcome to another YFE Chat Live. Tonight's episode is episode uh, 111, and it is brought to you by Ovalie TV and by MailChimp. MailChimp is the best way to design, send, and share email newsletters. You can get started today at MailChimp.com for free. Make sure that you sign up for our YFE mailed it list at yfe.me forward slash mailed it. That's the best way to stay on top of everything that's happening with young female entrepreneurs. We've got a couple things going on right now. Daily Action Calendar at dailyactioncalendar.com is the way that we're staying connected and motivated every day. Go to dailyactioncalendar.com to find out more information. And then our Bootstrap Book Club is kicking off again in June. Again, sign up at yfe.me forward slash mailed it to get all the information on that. I'm your host, Jennifer Dono. I did not introduce myself earlier. I apologize. You can tweet me at Jennifer Dono. And of course, again, use the hashtag YFE chat. We've got a full show, so let's go ahead and welcome Desiree on. Welcome to the show, Desiree. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. So tell us a little bit about Global Tees before we get everything started. What is it? I mean, we mentioned that you give a dollar back, but you have a few unique uh, little items or unique properties about the product above just the dollar give back. Right. Tell us a little bit more. Sure. So uh, Global Teas is a line of certified organic teas. All of the teas are whole leaf. They're in pyramid tea bags. And uh, when I decided to start the tea company, I wanted to do something a little different with the packaging to help keep the tea fresh. Once tea gets opened up and you shove it in your cupboard, the, the air and the light and the heat can help dry out the teas and then you lose a lot of flavor. So I've packaged them in resealable craft paper uh, pouches so that once it's open, it can be resealed to keep the tea really fresh. And go ahead. Oh, I was just <laughs> gonna say, I, I mean, that's a, uh, it's funny because I go to, what's that, um, what's that shop called that just got Oprah involved, which we're gonna talk about in uh, a little bit, having Tivana. Oprah in on it, yeah. So, uh-huh. um, is it Tivana? Yeah, so they said uh-huh. that you have to have that dark container, so it's not loose leaf tea, it's in a, the pyramid bag. My tea is in pyramid tea bags, yes. And why did you choose to do the pyramid bag over just like the loose tea, that type of a model? Well, the reality is is that most people are still drinking their tea out of tea bags. Um, You know, it's easy and convenient to throw one in your to-go mug with some hot water when you need to run out the door. Uh, So I wanted to stick with something that was easy uh, for people to use, but I also wanted to make sure that I kept that whole leaf quality. So I took the whole leaves and I put them into the pyramid tea bags, which gives them room to really circulate and extract all the flavor from the tea. Very nice. And now the idea of of um, of global teas. <laughs> you have to excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm working on switching all of the shots. But the idea of global teas came from a passion around teas, and this was something that you didn't discover until you were in college. Now, right. and you talked about in the story on your website that you would go to a cafe and you got you basically fell in love while you were studying. Um, you fell in love with teas. So why did you choose to take 
the the love for tea in the direction that you did you created a product which is very i mean it's labor capital time you know all that type of a, of a thing intensive why didn't you do something like become a consultant or um, a buyer or work for someone else or even open a cafe well i i think what really was driving me beyond my love for tea was that I really wanted to start a company that would allow me to give back and give me control over how much I give back, when I give back, who I give back to. Um, so the tea is really, for me, while it's a passion and I use really high quality, it's really just my vehicle for being able to take something that I do every day, something that a lot of people do every day, which is drink a cup of tea, and turn it in a way in, turn it into something that can make a difference in the world. Um, go ahead. <laughs> and that was, uh, and I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but that was okay. your, you're basically, uh, when going along with the story, you, you had this love for tea, but you also were very involved in volunteer projects. Yes. Uh, and so you talked about how you grew up in Napa, which is an affluent area, and then you went outside of it. So, so tell us more about how um, you continue with on your story. I'm sorry for interrupting you. I gotta stop doing that. It's okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, you're right. I I did my first volunteer trip when I was 15, and it just opened my eyes to how much need there is in the world, and it really opened my eyes to how little people need. Um, things that we could easily give or money that we could give that could make a big impact. Um, so for me, I just, I really wanted to do something that I could continue to give back. Um, and I had done uh, other volunteer trips since that time I was 15. And when I came, I was actually overseas for a few years. And when I came back is when I made the decision, I want to start my own company and I want it to be something that I can do that can give back. Now, so you you came back and you said, I want to start this. And I read in an article that it took you a couple years to actually get the business off the ground once you said, I'm going to start this. So right. what did you do in those two years? Uh, well, all of the groundwork. Basically, when I decided that I was going to start a company, the first thing I did was sign up for a how to write a business plan course <laughs> <laughs> through our through our small business development center because I had never owned a business. That's and awesome. um my, my degree is in communication, so I didn't have a lot of business classes, but I thought, I, I've got to start somewhere. Uh, so I signed up for that course, and I, I just went from there. And that, that year and a half to two years was really tasting different teas, um, researching different packaging, looking into uh, getting organic certification, um, just putting all the processes in place that would need to happen for me to be able to actually get the product on the shelf. Now, were you telling people about this idea that entire time, or was that something that you were keeping private? No, I did. I told, um, obviously, close family and friends all knew about it. Uh, I shared about my vision, and, you know, without sharing every business detail, but of course I was excited about it, and I wanted other people to get excited about it so that by the time I did get it out there, they would want to get their hands on it. Now, this wasn't a question that I sent you prepared, so I apologize. And if you don't feel like answering it, definitely don't. But um, as far as capital goes to start a pr something like this, I mean, we had on, um, we had on, gosh, I have total baby brain today. We had on um, Sophie Jaffe of Philosophy, and mm -hmm. she has a similar product. It's even packed, I mean, not a similar product, very different product, Superfoods, um, but it has a similar packaging. And uh, it. I forgot to ask her about raising capital, but as far as that goes, is did you bootstrap this? Is this something from savings that you pulled from, or did you run a Kickstarter campaign? What did that look like? 
so for me, one of my biggest goals, and um, kind of going back to your earlier question about why I did a line of tea over maybe a brick and mortar store or something else, was that I personally wanted to launch my company without debt. Um, and in order to do something like a brick and mortar, it's huge overhead, and I would have had to take out a big loan. Um, to get this company started, I had uh, savings that my husband and I had set aside, and I had family who very generously supported my dream and vision and has given me money to start it up as well. Um, so from that point on, I have just been bootstrapping it, and my goal is really to stay out of debt. I, I just don't want the pressure of thinking, oh my gosh, every patch I sell is just paying somebody back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, as far as do you mind if I ask, did you do anything formal as far as raising money from friends and family? Would you call it like the friends and family round? I mean, how did how did you do that for those that are interested in, in approaching family or friends? You know what? It wasn't anything formal for me. And I'm just really fortunate and really, really blessed that I have family who w were on board from day one and said, we will help in any way we can. Oh, so nice. <laughs> It and, is. It's really amazing. Well, and you're very passionate about what you do, too. It's obvious through your website and all of the marketing materials. So I could I assume that it would make it be a no brainer for a lot of people to get behind what you're doing. So and another thing uh, you mentioned that you were for the two years you were tasting teas. And mm -hmm. in that, the same article I referenced earlier mentioned that you went to a conference early on and basically or a convention and you walked from tea booth to tea booth this is what I'm imagining I mean it's not you didn't say this in the article <laughs> I'm imagining that you're doing this and yes. uh you're you're speaking to vendors essentially so what did that look like as far as creating a product that pulls from having to you know collect ingredients essentially sure well one of the hardest things about uh doing a line of tea is that uh, there's very little tea that's grown in the U.S., so pretty much all of the teas, at least all the teas in my line, I source from overseas. And while I would love to go and visit every single tea region in every single country someday, that wasn't something I had the, the finances to do up front. Um, but fortunately, there are people who um, bring tea in, whether they have family connections or friend connections in other countries, uh, who bring the teas in in large amounts, big you know ships of, of hundreds of pounds of tea um, to then s sell to people here in the U.S. who can blend them and create their own packaging and that sort of thing. Um, yes, so the conference that you're referencing is called the World Tea Expo. And this is basically the place that everybody gathers once a year uh, to bring samples of their teas. Sometimes you get farmers that come directly. Sometimes you get representatives. Um, but basically, you are there and you can talk to almost everybody in the industry uh, and, and gather up samples. So that's what I did. I, I, I sampled hundreds of teas, literally. Um, and I, I kind of knew what my favorites were. Um, but then I also, um, oh, you might be asking me this later on about the process of how I chose which teas. Do you want me to answer that yeah, now? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so once I had kind of narrowed down from the hundreds that I tried to about 25 of my top choices, um, I just set up a huge blind tasting with friends and family. Um, and we tasted through 25 different teas completely blind, and they marked their favorites. Um, and that kind of helped me, give me a little bit more um, understanding on what people's tastes are in general. And it was surprising that most people chose the same ones every time. Oh, so, 
Yeah, so did I ended you have up using... Any, did you create any type of survey or anything like that? How did you structure, you know, I guess finding out more about what people, you know, getting more in depth, I guess? So I actually took the samples and made all of the teas. And they sat down at a big, long table. I had probably 20 people there. And, um, and they just had white cups in front of them. And I just went around and poured samples and said, this is sample A, this is sample B, this is sample C. And they had paper... And they were able to write down their favorites, which one they liked the most, which one they liked the least. So I had them score in each category. So we, we would taste all whites, and then we would taste all green, we would taste all black, we would taste all fruit. So uh, that was the process that I set so up. So you took it to your supporters beforehand and made sure that they liked what you were about yeah. to put out to market. Right. Now, as far as <laughs> you, getting the company started, so this is... This is all about creating this company out with a social angle, giving back and making sure that that is put into your actual business model and how you're selling the product. So are you, you did you form as an LLC? I mean, there's a number of different ways. I think there's even like a certified um, socially responsible business type of a thing, too, that you can apply for. Um, there's limited profit, limited liability company. Uh, how did you form the company? So, um, like a lot of uh, small business owners, I started out sole prop, um, and that was based on just talking to you know my tax advisor and other business people on what's best for getting your feet off the ground for my type of business. Um, but I think you mentioned uh, the socially responsible corporation and the B Corp. That's um, yes. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a, they're a new the new guy on the block, um, but really cool. They have really high standards as far as um, your your company's social acumen as well as environmentally. Is your company environmentally friendly? So um, that's going to be actually my next step. Is I'm hoping to get the B uh, Corp certification. So that's the direction I'm heading. Well, speaking of certification, what about something like uh, organic or um, non-GMO? Do you have any of those certifications? I do. I have an organic certification. And what kind of process did you have to go through to become organic? It's a long process, actually. Oh, I bet. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a matter of uh, submitting um, a whole bunch of paperwork, submitting the labels, how, because they have very um, specific requirements as far as where the label of certification goes on your packaging, what the wording is surrounding that. Um, as well as making sure that the teas that you're putting in there are certified organic from the source. So it was just pulling together a lot of paperwork, a lot of um, images, and and sending it over to the organic certification board. And can I ask you what type of, I mean, what does that cost a small business owner who wants to be, I mean, because that's important nowadays. Yeah. That organic, even if you are organic and you don't have that symbol on your, on your packaging, that's a huge missed marketing opportunity. So, again... I mean, what's that going to cost a small business owner? Do you know, it really depends on um, the product and who you're getting certified through. There isn't, there isn't one standard rate. Um, so I, it just really depends on what you're doing. Um, there's usually like an initial setup fee and then there's a fee per product. So it kind wow. of just depends. So yeah. if you have a lot of SKUs, you're going to be, and it's going to be expensive. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, so now, as far as uh, the the women, um, okay. So 
I, I feel like a lot of female entrepreneurs that are watching uh, or any young female entrepreneur, and I hate to generalize, but this, I feel like females in general, we want to give back. And I really like the movement, the idea that we're putting it into the product so the consumer knows when they purchase something that they're part of a bigger movement. And like you said, it's not about teas necessarily. Same with um, Tom's or any other of those socially responsible, bu- socially responsible businesses. It's about uh, giving back. So right. how did you decide a dollar on each product? I mean, especially when, you, when you're talking about a competitive area. I mean, teas, there's a picture on your website. I, you know what? I have all these pictures lined up, and I haven't been showing any of them. <laughs> um, but there's a picture on your, on your Facebook page and on your website of your teas in the middle of, you know, a, a hundred other ones, basically, in a grocery store. And your packaging is beautiful. And I love how much shelf space you have, too, compared to these bigger brands. Uh, but anyway... Uh, how did you s- decide on a dollar? Because that amount seems like a lot of money. It is. Uh, it's a big sacrifice. Um, but, you know, for me, the the dollar amount was based on a few different things. It was, one, what is feasible for me to give back, make a big impact, but still be able to keep the business going? Because yeah. at the end of the day, if I can't, financially keep the business running, I'm not helping anybody, you know? So um, it was just looking at my numbers and um, also knowing, you know, when you've traveled and you've done volunteer work, as I'm sure a a lot of people watching have done, um, you really start to find out what the impact of $1 means. Uh, A lot of these countries where people are living on $2 a day, you can start to understand, wow, a, a dollar really can make a difference. And so for me, it was sitting down and saying, okay, if I can make it, make it work to give a dollar from every pouch, can I sacrifice something else? Like maybe maybe once a year I have to sacrifice a, a magazine ad in order to be able to donate that. And for me the answer was yes because that's why I started the business in the first place. So it was just a, a, a prioritizing thing for me. Um, some, some months it's harder than others, but um, it's, it's really what drives me. And I think for, for people who are interested in, in doing something social, giving back, I, I would say please do. Everybody can do something and everybody should do something, but that's going to look different for every single business, um, depending on what your model is, depending on what your income is, uh, and it doesn't even have to be like a set amount donated. It could be something that you donate time to or you donate samples to or you donate some of your... Um, if you're somebody who's a consultant, that you maybe work with a nonprofit group and offer some free consultancy work. There's so many different ways that you can give back, um, and you just really have to figure out what fits best for your model and your company. Well, and you know, I think this is going off on a, a little bit of a tangent, but it's interesting to see these companies and see some of the articles that are written about them, especially like the large ones like Tom's that have kind of, I feel like, set the... the um, the example for others mm-hmm. to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, this. they're doing that just for marketing purposes or they're doing that just to s- set themselves apart. What do you think mm. about that type of a stigma when it comes to creating a socially responsible business? I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that, that um, bothers me as well. About There are definitely some companies that just do it because of the marketing side of it. Um, but the reality is, is that if you're going to give back, 
It should be something that you are passionate about already, regardless of your business, something that you would want to support even if it wasn't connected to your business. Um, and, and if you do that, then the truth of why you're giving back and who you're involved with will come out. It'll be, people will know whether you're being sincere or not. Um, and for me, that's why I'm supporting nonprofits that I've personally done volunteer work with. I've seen the impact they're making. I know who the people on the ground are. Um, and, and so I think that if you are really passionate about something and you're supporting that passion, the truth comes out. Well, and we talk a lot about collaboration and joint ventures on the show and, and leveraging that, you know, knowing someone, knowing this nonprofit, you're basically doing a lot of marketing for them, too. So mm-hmm. you're helping them in more ways than just giving them a dollar. People are finding right. out about the work that they're doing. So, yes. you know, in in that sense, as far as marketing goes, let's talk about how you stand out. Like I said, there's hundreds of tea brands out there. And I mean, even like I said earlier, Oprah is now <laughs> in the tea game. So <laughs> I, what have you done? Cause you're in a number of grocery stores and you're in a number of cafes and you just started this company. So right. how did you, and you know, and I don't mean to offend you in this, but you don't have a very big social media presence. No. Yet you're still, <laughs> like I said, it. like I, you're still, you know, you're still there, you're still present, you're still making things happen. So how do you make your brand stand out? Well, um, a couple of different ways. Obviously, the most obvious one is the packaging. You see on the photo, it looks different than all of the other tea boxes and um, tins on the shelf. So that helps me out. Um, also, m- having a social mission and, and having the $1 go back, I think people, there's a lot of people who want to make socially responsible purchases. So when they walk down the aisle and they see lots of different tea options and then they see one that says, hey, a dollar from this is going to help change somebody's life, why wouldn't you choose that one over the other things on the shelf? I do when I go shopping, <laughs> Whether, no matter what the product is. Um, so that's part of it is, is seeing it on the shelf. Um, but a, a bigger part of it for me is that I'm out sampling the product all the time. I'm out there. I'm talking to people about what I'm doing. I'm pouring them samples of tea. I'm donating samples of tea. Um, I do a lot of local events where I just I donate free tea. Um, I recently did the the TEDx Napa event, and it's just getting the name out there, getting people familiar with the brand. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other ways I I, I market it. Well, you know, yeah. I think it's interesting that you bring up the sampling because we've had mm-hmm. a number of entrepreneurs on. Erin um, Condren is one of them who has this product, and she said one of the the best things that she did for her business because I feel like we all feel like we need to be on Twitter, we need to be on Instagram, we need to be on Facebook, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yet there's people like you that are still making things happen, yet you're not constantly putting pictures up or constantly creating content, that kind of a thing. And Erin Condren said that when she got started, the best thing she did for her business was send out extras. So mm-hmm. send out samples mm-hmm. beyond basically what people purchased. And so this is something that I feel like is a missed opportunity for a lot of people. What type mm-hmm. of costs are associated when you s- go to an event? I mean, I can't imagine that's a lot of driving time. It's a lot of time taken out of working on your business. You're constantly out there. Um, so what uh, what's your philosophy around that? Yeah. So um, it's interesting that you're talking about uh ways to to grow not being on social media or needing I would love to be able to post more I would love to be able to go to more events Um, but the reality is when you're an entrepreneur starting your own company 
you're the person <laughs> and you only have so many hours <laughs> a day to get things done. Um, so for me, it's all, it's about balance for me. Um, and it's also about being very particular about when and where and which events I'm doing because it can become a really high cost. Um, so first and foremost, thinking about my market, who are the people that are going to be there? Are there, are there going to be a lot of people there who could potentially be tea buyers? Um, you know, it, it, whether that's because it's, it's an organic event and so people are looking for organic products or it's an event that is um, socially minded and so people are wanting to buy socially minded products. So finding those, those niche places um, really saves me time and money uh, when I plan out where I'm going to go and, and which places I'm going to be sampling because it can get very expensive. And is that something that you've done early on is, is think about that? Is that part of your business plan as far as, like you said, which, which demographics you're going after? Absolutely. Yeah, that was a huge, the, a huge part of my marketing, or excuse me, my business plan was the marketing plan itself. Um, how am I going to get the product out there? How am I going to get people to know it's there? And a component of that was uh, sampling and going to events, going to conferences. So um, that all falls under my, my marketing budget. So now to, to wrap everything up, one of the things that I'm interested in is working, you know, you as a, a small business owner work with a number of other small business owners as vendors. So you go in and you sell a product uh, from uh, looking at the sales cycle perspective. If you're selling a product in a grocery store or a cafe where it's more mm -hmm. of a wholesale type of a transaction, what does that sales process look like and what advice would you give to others in working with other small business owners as far as collecting money and making sure that at the end of the day they say yes? <laughs> well, this is the hardest part of the business. Right? At least it is for me. <laughs> I, I have to be honest, I don't like sales. I really hate it. <laughs> but it's the only way I'm going to get my product out there. Um, so it is literally walking into a grocery store and asking to speak with the buyer and just telling them, showing them I bring in my product, I show them my product, I tell them about the heart behind my business, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and then I have with me prepared materials that have all of the detailed information like SKU numbers and you know how many, how many pouches are in a case and what's the case minimum and the pricing and all of that so that I can give them my quick pitch tell them why I'm here, what I'm doing, and then leave them with samples of the tea and leave them that information. Um, and is and this then, you, and uh -huh. you said, uh, is this you going in cold, uh, basically with no like warm lead or anything like that? It is, okay. it is, it's going cold and it's very scary. And I struggled with it for a long time and I'm sure a lot of people who yeah. watch this will relate. <laughs> unless you're, a, unless you're a, you know, born salesperson, it's really difficult to do. Um, but for me, I think my purpose in my business really drives me. Um, you know, I, I, I get to places that I'm going to go sell and I sit in my car and, I, and if I'm feeling nervous, I think to myself, okay, I can be really nervous about this and freak out and nobody's life is going to be changed. Or I can force myself to walk in there, talk to somebody for five minutes and maybe make a difference in somebody's life because the money is going to help save people, change their lives. Um, so it really helps drive me. I, I think that purpose, you have to have a purpose behind your your product, a reason that you want other people to have it or experience it um, or or be able to purchase it. Because if, if you don't, if it's not something you're not passionate about, 
you'll never get into the store. (laughs) Well, you know, and Desiree, that's a common thing that's been happening recently with the people that I've chosen to be guests on the show is that I Uh keep, first of all, I keep going after people in California. Um, (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah, (laughs) And then also I love, I'm, I'm really attracted to brands right now that have whether you it's explicit or not, there's a bigger purpose behind it. So it's not like Ye- Yael was on um, last time with me, and she was, I think she said in the show, it's not to me about almond milk, it's about providing people with healthy food options right then and there, you know, something that's yeah. local, that type of a thing. Same with uh, Sophie, she said the same thing, it's about basically helping people have live the best lives ever um and so i think that's a commonality between all of you in that what really attracts me to you and i feel like what's going to make you ultimately very successful and what sets you apart from others so anyway i'm sorry for going off on a tangent but um going back to it advice for working with small business owners other than getting over the fear of (laughs) of going and speaking with them directly how do you make sure that they say yes and that they pay you at the end of the day well, one is, one is to be prepared. Like I said, I always have sales sheet and, and all the information that they could need. Um, so always, always have what you need more than you need uh, in case they ask questions or need more information. Um, be prepared. And then always, um, the thing that works really well for me is I always ask them, when do you want me to follow up and how do you want me to follow up? Um, because some, some work better with email, some work better with telephone calls. Um, so I always set a date. They'll usually say, you know, between a week or a few, di- a few days, depending on the store. And then I make sure that I fulfill that promise. Um, so if they say, call me in a week, I call them in a week. If they say, send me an email in two days, I send them an email in two days. Um, and they have a lot of people and a lot of products that they're juggling. So it's really important, I think, for the buyers that you are doing what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. Um, so that's huge. And then the and I should ask, does it make a difference that you're a local company? Because a lot of the stores that you are in are more of a local type of an area. Yeah, it does. It makes um, a big difference for me. And I think because of the, the you know, I'm in a smaller town. I'm not in a big city. So um, people here are incredible about supporting locals. And I think that's probably true in big and small cities. Um, but that's definitely one thing that I do tell them when I'm there. Hey, I'm a, I'm a local and I am start you know have started this company. We talk about that all the time on the show. Don't discount the local market. We all, no. especially with the internet, we want to go big. We want to make sure that we focus on online sales, that type of a thing. But when in reality, the people around you, closest to you, are really going to be your biggest supporters. That's right, and they're the one, they're the ones that will keep you going because. You know, even if you had a big national account, what happens if you lose that account? You've got to have all of your local, smaller businesses supporting you to keep your business going and keep the cash flow coming in. Definitely. Well, Desiree, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out on a Thursday. Uh, (laughs) So now as far as um, any big, broad pieces of advice for another young female entrepreneur, whether she's starting a product line or becoming a consultant, what would you tell her? Well, I would say find find a way to connect um, a passion for something that you have in a way to make a difference whatever that might be for you, whatever fits for your business model. But um, my favorite favorite creed to live by is uh, you can do something or you can do nothing. So I would encourage you to do something. I love that. 
Desiree, where can everyone find out more about Global Tees? Uh, globaltees.org. Awesome. Thank you again. I wish you the best of luck in growing your company and congrats on all the success that you've experienced to date. Thank you so much. All right. So everyone, you've just been watching Desiree. She is the founder of globaltees.org. Thank you so much for watching live or for watching later on YouTube. Make sure that you comment below with any questions that you have or any input that you have as far as creating products or being a sustainable company. Uh, we're also on iTunes. If you search for Young Female Entrepreneurs, you'll find YFE Chat Live. And then, of course, next Thursday, same time, same place, YFELive.com, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. I've been your host, Jennifer Dono. Thank you so much for watching live. Hope to see you next Thursday.